We are going to stay away from it. No puns today, but this one is going to be really hard. I'm, I'm going to have to bite my tongue, but it's an outstanding guest uh, today. And it's a one that, uh, that I didn't know a lot about. And I am so happy that I'm involved in In Goal Radio, the podcast, to learn about athletes such as Beck Warm and uh, his journey and where he has arrived uh, in a short period of time. Welcome to In Goal Radio, the podcast, Darren Millard, with David Hutchison and Kevin Woodley, the co-founders of In Goal Magazine. Boy, you guys uh, can come up with uh, some great contacts uh, week to week. This time around, Woodley, Hutch, I, I give you all the credit in the world because this is a story that just had to be told in the right way. Actually, we'll we'll, we'll pass the stick taps along to uh, Ray Petkow from Alpha Hockey Agency because I mean, obviously, we were aware of this because we have a relationship both with him and the Net Three Sixty Camp that him and Adam Francilia run, and a lot of these goaltenders, including our guest back warm. So we knew the background, but Ray just sort of provided a really nice reminder of how special this was when he. You know, put it out on Twitter when when Beck got called up to the Carolina Hurricanes, uh, and who was there to greet him but James Reimer? That James was also his mentor on Mentorship Day at Net Three Sixty six years ago. As a uh, well, as you'll hear, as a, as a very young undrafted goaltender coming off a very tough first taste of the Western Hockey League, um, there was James Reimer then, and there was James Reimer waiting. And trust me, we've talked to Reimer, and we'll have something at ingolmag.com about that conversation waiting very eagerly to welcome Beck Warm to the National Hockey League. The part that strikes me, Hutch, is his his work uh, behind the scenes didn't get him noticed immediately, didn't get him noticed down the road uh, by necessarily the Western Hockey League or the National Hockey League, and then turn around and it's a, just a meteoric arrival in, into the National Hockey League onto this taxi squad. It's too strikingly different ways to get things done everybody has a different path don't they i've i've actually been fortunate to know beck a little bit longer uh even before those net 360 days because uh he's got an older brother who is uh now a friend of mine and a former student of mine and i remember we had started this in goal journey and his brother phelan reached out to me and said hey i've uh i've got a brother who's a pretty good little goaltender and this would have been sort of peewee days and I thought, oh, okay, well, that's interesting. And I've, I've followed his career along ever since. And I remember that uh, first game in the Western Hockey League that Woody references in their interview today. And I was pretty excited to see how Beck, Beck did in that game and have, have followed along ever since. And he's worked with a whole pile of people that we have since come to know uh, over the years through in goal. So it's just been a funny, you know, two worlds colliding for me. And, uh, and he's earned every bit of, of this. He's uh, a ferocious worker. Um, we were in the gym with, uh, with he and Adam Francilia last summer uh, as we were passing through Kelowna and saw the work that he was doing, just uh, in, incredible stuff. He is so detailed in everything that he does. But, you know, one of those guys, as so many do, that, that I think has been passed over at every level to an extent uh, because of his height at, at six feet tall. Um, but has refused to let that hold him back and has just worked his tail off. He's a real technician out there. He, um, it, it's just incredible to see uh, everything that he's done and just so excited to see uh, how this has come together for him. And, you know, I, th I think every year we've had guys reach out to us um, from, you know, higher levels, including the NHL, saying, you know, who, who do you see out there? Who's, who have, maybe we haven't noticed. And Beck's been the first name 
at the top of that list, uh, certainly for me, and I think near the top for Woody as well. Um, so to see that that's all all coming to be for Beck, I couldn't be happier because he's just a fantastic young man. And uh, and I, I think actually, you know, another thing that comes up in this interview that you'll hear is him talking about that relationship with those older pros at Net360 and how much they meant to him. And Kevin asked if he'd, um, you know, be like that himself at some point. And he certainly already has. Uh, I, I've seen him being that they way. Thought with, of it. Yeah, I've seen him being that way as, as, a, as an older sort of Western League goaltender working with younger kids as well. And uh, he's been a mentor himself already. And so really, really happy for Beck. Yeah, he's uh, he's so dialed in on his details that I've seen him actually teaching some of the sort of new mechanics of goaltending to other goalie coaches. Not teaching, but helping explain them to other goalie coaches, like high level goalie coaches at these camps. So he's not just mentoring the the young goaltenders. He's he's actually helping explain some things that he's learned along the way to other guys. He's just. There's a lot to like. Uh, what you said about the height is probably true, Hutch, and unfairly. And and you're right. We do get those, re- you know, the teams looking to sort of sign an undrafted free agent, and and we see a lot of different goalies and who you're looking at. And I may or may not have texted a few guys that ignored that recommendation over the past couple of seasons to to point to. Hey, you see this guy we told you about two years ago? Notice he's four and one or five and one with a nine forty four save percentage and just got an NHL deal. <coughs> I told you. You know that's that's money for you right that's that's currency for you too uh anybody who who ignored that now will will take your opinion tenfold going forward oh and then we just need to find another guy who warrants it as much as back so it's it's been yeah. fun to watch and and um and as you'll hear in this interview just such a great kid as well it comes through and 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 as james said i think this is a credit to and you, know, you, you said we found the story but the truth is our exposure to a lot of these kids and, and a lot of the pros comes through access, and in this case, access through Net360. And I think this is a really good example of, you know, um, that program working and the mentorship role that these guys play in. As James told me, you know, Beck's part of that family now, has been for a while, but really is now. And he's like the little brother. So that's 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 the type of relationships that are built within that framework. That's how they've structured that. And so I think a lot of the credit goes to them. We're just blessed that we get to sort of be a part of it and and meet these guys, see these relationships form and get to learn from all of them the way they do each other. It's a story about perseverance. It's a story that uh, inspires you. It's also a story that uh, will give you lessons. So whether you're a parent or whether you're Uh, an athlete uh, about how you handle yourself in certain situations. Training is one of those and also in game and getting comfortable. Uh, Look forward to the conversation. He's dialed into the details, much like those at the hockey shop, thehockeyshop.com source for sports, Surrey cam and the gang are all over it right now in one of the busier times of the year for the hockey shop and the goaltending department, Woody. Yeah, because we got another launch. Big day. This is a big day. Power Hyperlight. You guys all saw it on the social medias, uh, our social media, and probably some others. Um, Jake Ottinger with that sweet, uh, what do they call that? Their blackout look for the Dallas Stars. And he had his brand new Hyperlights with the black with the neon green um, accents. Uh, Today's the day. Today is the day that you can go on the Bauer Customizer and design your own hyperlight set, your own neon green accents. And what does that 
also mean when we have a launch. It's not just that you get to design your gear and customize your gear and learn about all these new features that we're going to talk with Cam about in the gear segment here in a, in a few minutes, but it means you can order it. And where else would you order it but from Cam and from the hockey shop and thehockeyshop.com. Um, we go over some of the main details today in the gear segment, but if you want all the little, like every little custom choice you can make and why, not just that you can make it, but why you should choose one over the other. How does it fit your style or your game? The hockey shop, Cam, Matt, Wiv, and his staff, they're the guys to talk to. They're the guys to place that order through when it's time to buy your set of the new Bauer Hyperlite pads. Um, and if you're looking to save some money, last generation, there's not much left, frankly, of the Bauer 2X Pro stock, the, the one that preceded this. But what he has got left is on sale at over 20% off now. So make sure you check them out, whether you're trying to save on the last generation or you want to place your order on the next generation of Bowers Vapor Line. Give him a call at the hockey shop or thehockeyshop.com. Uh, let me just uh, put it this way. Uh, I can order my gear from anybody. I have uh, enough contacts to reach out and get it anywhere, any way possible. And I go through the hockey shop, thehockeyshop.com, source for sports story because of customer service. Uh, price point and expertise. It's not even close. Uh, give them a shout. And the one eight hundred number is coming up if uh, you happen to uh, live outside the area. It's my favorite part of the gear segment. But this week, uh, I'm so excited about the uh, the Bauer Hyperlite uh, line. It's uh, it's fans fascinating what they've done with the technology and uh, and uh, skinning has come a long way. So uh, looking forward to it. Uh, this is the gear segment presented by the Hockey Shop Source for Sports Surrey, thehockeyshop.com. The Unveil with Woody and Cam. Welcome back to the Hockey Shop Source for Sports and uh, another exciting day with Cam Matwiv. Fresh here. <coughs> Adolescent me is having nightmares right now. Um, but adult me is really excited about the new Hyperlite line. Uh, from Bauer, which the customizer is launching live today as we bring you this on the podcast with a few more details like we did uh, with some of the other launches. You can go on the customizer and build your own right now, but there are features. There are new features. There are new choices. There is a new knee. There is a new flex profile. There is a new core. There is lighter weight. So I'm going to start with Cam. Like, What to you is the biggest change in the new Hyperlite line from Bauer so one quick note before, with that, you can create your custom order and you can submit your custom order today and get your order started with the chance of getting it before full-on launch of the gear in May. So get those orders in. Give us a call, 604-589-8299. We'll get your order set up. But let's talk about the pack. Okay, let's talk about the pack. Because you're right, that is the thing. Like, you're... You have them. You have a demo set. That's the other beauty as we get out of COVID is the hockey shop has demo sets. You can go try it. Um, but right now, this is not technically in stores. You won't see it on the shelf for another couple months. You can, however, order your own. And in order to order your, order your own, you need to know what the features are. So Cam's the best guy to talk to. You can call him in person or you can just watch this and get some of the highlights. So as you alluded to a little bit early on, new knee. So as opposed to Stabila Slide, this is called Stabila Flex. So what that means is the actual knee is still integrated into the core of the pad itself, 
However, we've got a bit more lateral flex to it, so it feels a little bit softer as you're kind of driving down into the ice. Also, horizontal flex in the actual knee itself. So this gives us a little bit more gap area between the actual knee and the calf plate, allowing the pad to flex in a little bit more without binding up on that calf plate itself. Yeah, and that is that like this is a more flexible pad than the ultrasonic significantly more flexible as you can see and part of that is having that gap between the knee and the calf plate giving it room to flex down it's also as we turn it to its side you can see it's got a more of a rounded that sort of traditional s curve uh, compared to sort of that single break at the knee and the straight lines that you had with the ultrasonic soft flexible boot so this is a pad that's designed to sort of move more with your leg but retain all the qualities that they, we've come to know since odin in terms of you know that sort of stiffener edge the good the fast sliding the active rebounds. In fact, the rebounds are even hotter coming off this pad. They've changed the core inside, cut some weight in terms of the core. They also cut some weight in terms of the knee because that Stabilis slide knee in the, in, in the ultrasonic, like it's a heavier product. 15%. Um, we haven't had a chance to test it yet with live ammo. We've had it on the ice, but not with sort of live ammo, uh, hard puck. 15% um, more livelier according to their research with the changed core. So those hot rebounds you've come to associate with the Bauer lines just got even hotter. Stand by for some quantification of this uh, percentage. We will get this out on ice. We will film some testing in it for sure. Um, but that's some great, exciting news. Um, they already had awesome rebounds. But yeah, yeah, it's called the Rebound Boost Core, just to give it a proper name. That's what they're calling this one. So in other words, when you already have the most active rebound in goaltending to add to it, you need to give it a new name. It's called the Rebound Boost Core. Like I said, 15% is the claims there. Uh, the other big difference is the balance plate, Cam. And I'll have you sort of turn that pad over and show us what we mean. This is basically a foam padding on the inside of the calf to sort of help you balance in the butterfly. You know, right, that's a boy. Better so it's not upside down? That boy, upside down. There we go. So you can see that, and it's sort of a soft foam to give you a little more stability in the butterfly as you're pushing around on the ice, sort of keep the pad from tipping or tilting as much as the Stabila Flex knee does that as well and keeps that seal so good. This helps redistribute the weight and sort of prevent any chance of you getting off the edge of the pad and sort of causing it to tip. Also just creating a great seal. So I've seen some of the heat maps that they have in terms of how the pad balance is based on this knee and that calf working together. And it's, it's pretty impressive. It's a real broad distribution across the pad that allows you to, and then of course with the hard inner edge you get that active that sort of real easy sliding material correct yeah i mean you've hit all the key points right there again that big flat seal being you know the biggest talking feature of that especially as you're going to go load and push up you're not getting that tip and roll in you're getting that nice flat push across so no holes by the boot any other details like the biggest thing to me is that this is a more flexible like again the vapor line which is is part of designed to be a more flexible pad, a more sort of soft isn't the right word, but a lot more flex to it. Um, there were differences between the Supreme lines and the 2X Vapor lines. I think they're the kind of finally got to a point where you can say it's not just more flexible than ultrasonic, but it's actually a flexible pad where you can quantify it and sort of say this is, you know, this is a pad that has some of that curve, some of that feel. But they are truly different now. They are, they are truly different. Um, you know what? There are a few other key points, but I like being a tease. And being that this is a teaser video, I say we move on. All right. So there, if you want any more details uh, about the new Hyperlite line, you've seen it in the NHL. 
Um, we're not, we're, we'll have full reviews later on. The glove, out of the box, uh, just great feel, sort of that 590 break. We'll, we'll get into specifics later, but this is the glove that sort of got Cam Talbot in their, in their gloves. Um, got more questions, make sure you give Cam a call. Get on that customizer, customize your own sets. And then when it's time to order, make sure you give this guy a call to make sure you get the specs you want. If you got any other questions, where do they get you again? 604-589-8299. We'll have to double check that. Unbelievable. All right, Cam, thanks for having us down at the Hockey Shop Source for Sport. Thanks, Kevin. There's a lot going on there. Uh, tell me, honestly, at, at times when you do those segments with, with Cam, is there a, a danger of going like 25 minutes? Because there's so much? Yeah, we may or may not in the early going of making this a simulcast have, um, you know, exceeded the max length that we didn't, I don't think anybody really knew there was a max length on Instagram stories, the IGTV version. Of course, we take this, yeah. anybody who's listening to this, you can watch a simulcast video that we create of it. We may have exceeded the length a few times early. We are trying to get it down under five minutes. That one was a little longer um because it's exciting like this is yeah. new gear and i'll be honest with you like you heard some of the numbers there that i ran um this is a big one for bauer like this is the the vapor line has been designed to be their more flexible alternative to the supreme line which of course is now ultrasonic and this is the biggest step i've seen towards that um they added flexible boot before but this pad truly has a different profile, a different flex profile. And at the same time, they've actually upgraded the skin in terms of more active rebounds and measurably, you know, even better sliding. And so this, there's a lot to be excited about here. And in fact, Beck Warm is in them now. He has made his maiden voyage as a guy who always wore a softer pad and a more traditionally built and shaped pad. He switched to, to the Bauer, tried it, this off season, uh, when he was skating up in Kelowna, really liked the feel, and now he's in the hyperlight. So, why? Hey, like, if I was a good interviewer, I would have included this in the main feature interview, but I may have forgotten had to hit him back up to ask him this. But let's let's hear from Beck Warm and tell. Let's have the pro, the new pro, tell us just how good the the Bauer hyperlight pad is. Yeah, no, they're awesome with the hyperlights with the softer boot. Um, I, yeah, I just love them. They they sit where I want them to, but they still have that same seal that the that the ultrasonics had, which I love. So um yeah, no, I just think um just with the strapping and with the the rebounds and how light they are, just everything about them is just it kind of I feel like it suits my game and just if they just fit right. Feel more like uh because the, the ultrasonic very stiff, rigid pat and designed to be that way. Yeah. Does the Hyperlite truly feel more like a traditional, I don't want to use the word soft, but flexible pad when it's on your leg, even though the performance in terms of sliding and rebounds isn't what we would normally associate with a quote unquote soft pad. Like have they found that balance? I think they have. Yeah. Um, I think it's kind of got the best of both worlds because I remember I was in the, in the ultrasonics, my first couple games in Chicago and I really liked them because they, they'd broken down quite a bit. Um, so they're like nice and soft and curved my leg and the boot was super flexible after that kind of while I was using them. And then 
when my hyperlights came in, um, I wore them the day before the game and wore them the next night in the game or the next afternoon in the game. So one ice time and then I was in them. So um, they did, they just felt how they should. I don't really know how to explain it, but they just, they just fit right. Okay. And we, we, like the glove and the glove break in process, you've obviously got comfortable there. I'm guessing you're in sort of what we would associate on the CCM side with a 590 break, which is the stock uh, hyperlight break. Is that correct? Yep. correct? Okay. Now here's the one question for you. Cause we always used to say a blocker is a blocker. Tell me the difference on that Bauer blocker. The, the pucks just fly off of it. It's in, it's crazy. Like, honestly, you don't, you don't have to place it anywhere. It just, it hits the blocker. And I, obviously you want, you want pucks to go to the corner up into the netting. So if the pucks come at your blocker, I just leave it there and it just flies off into the netting. So it's, it's what you want. First time you're on the ice sliding in a Bauer pad. And the first time you took a, say a shot off the wing, off the pad and the rebound came off there. What was the reaction to both of those things? Surprising. Very surprising. Yeah, I remember. I think it was shot off the pad in one of my first practices, and I watched it, and it went like all the way down the other end, off just like a far pad shot. And I was like, "Okay, well, that's different. That's that's pretty cool." Isn't that interesting? That the blocker. It's probably the least talked about piece of equipment that you look at every time you watch a hockey game. Now we 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 talk mask graphics, uh, glove saves, pads that we can all see. Uh, the, the upper body is hidden, but uh, blockers, nobody, nobody ever talks about. I, I love that conversation, that little tidbit. Well, and I, th- I will say that I think that conversation, like for the longest time, C- like CCM changed it. Like the blocker's not just a blocker. Like you saw guys in the National Hockey League, like in other brands, accept the blocker because CCM had built this really protective, really well-balanced blocker. And where Bauer sort of changed the conversation um and advanced it and become part of that a blocker is not just a blocker is through these active rebounds off this thing and this isn't the first time we've heard it right remember craig anderson switched to to the bauer gear last year that was one of the things that he noted like having to actually adjust because he no longer had to try and punch a rebound to get it out of the rink he just had to turn his wrist and a hard enough shot is into the glass like it really is for all the focus on active rebounds and even more so now in the hyperlight and the way pucks come off the pads um, that ability to kill a play with a flick of the wrist because of how hot it comes off this blocker is is another you know sort of feather in the cap of these new lines that they've created. It's it's really it's noticeable. Every tester that we've had that's been in it for the first time for all the, like especially the last I want to say two three generations has noticed it right away. From falling in love with a blocker to becoming a blocker, let's get into Beck's story and where he came from and where he is now. And just the Coles Notes version, if you can, Hutch, uh, explain to us uh, his journey. Uh, and I- I'll give you the, the baseline. Uh, born in Whistler, and you'll hear some of that, but this is a kid that was about 10 years old in doing the math in, in 2010, Sidney Crosby's Golden Goal. He was around the athletes' village in in Whistler and uh, and the the slopes and the alpine events. So he was he was right there at at the foot of the Olympic Games in 2010. And I wonder if that uh, stoked his uh, enthusiasm for athletics. But he fell in love with the game. And give us an idea. In major junior hockey, he has to really battle his way in, and in the National Hockey League, he has to battle his way in. 
Yeah, well, you know, not just the Olympics, but Whistler, BC is is such an athletic community. You're just mm-hmm. surrounded by people where athleticism is is their life, and uh, what a fantastic place to grow up. Um, yeah, I hadn't actually thought about that being around 2010 and the and the Olympics uh, before this, and uh, that's about the time that Woody and I first met and and got in goal rolling as well. So it's been fun to grow up with all of this, and um, yeah, I mean. To to go from undrafted into the Western Hockey League, which I think a lot of kids find uh, to be sort of a crushing thing when it happens, uh, because uh, I can tell you from experience now that those years leading up to the Bantam draft, as much as we tell kids it shouldn't matter, they they do make a big deal of it, um, quickly overcame that hurdle because he played his first major junior game at 15 years old. And, right. you know, um, Tri-City, uh, an organization that, of course, brought Carey Price, um, Eric Comrie, another guy that we know well uh, who played there. Uh, to, to overcome that and then to end up in the Western Hockey League very quickly after that as well, uh, I think just every time, it's not even just a matter of long-term persistence. Uh, Beck beats that door down in a hurry because he overcomes those things very quickly. Uh, not drafted into the National Hockey League, but making an impact uh, all the way through to become not just a starter in the Western League, but a guy... Um, playing 60, 65 plus games. Um, one of those guys highly sought after uh, at the trade deadline and moved to, to Edmonton who had um, WHL championship aspirations before the season got shut down due to COVID. Um, push right through that and here he is on his first NHL contract. So um, he's breaking down barriers and he's making a name for himself. And the American Hockey League, Woody, and I, I give it the the sort of the the bio before you hear the interview because it's important uh he goes to to the chicago wolves as an american hockey league rookie a professional rookie and just like owns it to the point where he gets the promotion to carolina yeah like five and one with a 944 and that's a, it's a small sample and all that but he clearly showed something gets the contract clearly demonstrated something and i think You've talked to guys over the years, Darren, you know, like a lot of people might be like, oh, American Hockey League, you know, first year pro, that, that's a good start. But, you know, what's the, like, why are you guys so excited about this? Like, that is the jump when you talk to guys that is the toughest for most, that is the biggest for most. Like so many goalies that I have talked to over the years and many of them on this podcast as guests, like what's the bigger jump, junior to the AHL or the AHL to the NHL? And I've yet to hear a guy say the bigger jump is AHL to NHL. It's always the biggest, toughest step is junior to the American League. And he goes from, like Hutch said, having his junior season cut short in March, not playing any games until he arrives with the Chicago Wolves in January, has that start, earns the contract, earns the call-up. Like, you know, it's preparation meeting opportunity and the preparation um pays off but also the preparation is what got him the opportunity in the first place and then you have to make the most of it so as you'll hear in this interview we've talked about all the different coaches he worked with but also another name we've heard before i I had almost forgotten um how big a role he credits him for but the mindset to be able to handle that opportunity and make sure you're not overwhelmed by it pete fry somebody that uh that that beck has worked with over the past couple of years quite a bit and he talks a lot about uh, that's this interview starts about this feel good story, but we get into technical and we get into mental game, and he shares a lot of valuable tips that I think a lot of young goaltenders could benefit from. He grew up at the base of a mountain, and now he's on his way to the top. Uh, Beck Warm 
the feature guest on In Goal Radio, the podcast. Hey, but just before we jump to that feature interview, Darren, I think we have forgotten to mention our good friends at Sense Arena. And I know you thank them uh, a million times over before we go into these interviews, but I just wanted to jump in because Woody and I actually had a conversation with Bob Tativa, the founder of Sense Arena this week. And it was a fascinating conversation because he laid out for us what the next year looks like for Sense, and we're not going to spill the beans here. The other part that was really cool was that he had Dominic Hasek in the office for 90 minutes uh, a couple days what? ago. Yeah, so he had the Dominator reviewing Sense Arena in the office. And uh, fascinating to hear his takes on it. Um, the best story is as realistic as Sense Arena is, and, and it is an incredible experience when you first put that headset on, I guess they have a net set up in the office and it's all you know, calibrated to the system as you can do at home with, with your own net. And Dom puts the headset on, he goes back to his post, he reaches out for the post, it's one centimeter off. <laughs> so uh bob's like well you know we might not be perfect right down to the centimeter but uh anyway just uh great fun and great great to hear uh bob lay out what the year looks like um just so people know sensorina brings out um sort of large updates i think it's about three times a year things happen where they they put in uh big things but then they also push new things all the time out to your headset uh, without any fanfare, without even saying much, something new might sort of suddenly appear there. And it might be something subtle from when Maddie jumped in here and said, hey, there's a there's an ad on the rink boards for for Maria Mountain and Goalie Training Pro. Um, this, this week, it was uh, a new training plan being available. And one of the great things about Sense Arena, you're not just left to your, to your own devices to just go in there and do whatever drill you want, although you can. Um, one of the big updates this year was adding in... Um, the ability to put training plans into the system. And they came with a few, including one from our good friend Bill Ranford of the Los Angeles Kings, and uh, have since pushed out a few more. And one of them this week was from Brian DeCord, the director of goaltending for the Arizona Coyotes, uh, and also the head of Stop at Goaltending in Boston. And so Stop at Goaltending has their own set of training um, programs you can work through on Sense Arena. It's a um, just a chance to work for eight days through a number of uh, drills that they've crafted for you. They sort of take the base drills of Sense Arena and then they'll tell you this is how many reps and, and they decide where the shooters are going to come from and the type of shots that you're going to work with. And I think that direction just gives you something as you go on there. Um, you know, it's like the difference between skating on the ice and having that well-directed goaltending coach who says, here's what we're doing today and here's the reason we're doing it and here's what it's going to do for you versus the goalie coach who comes up to you in practice and says, hey, what do you want to work on today? And most kids just look at them and say, I don't know. So if you're one of those guys who doesn't really know what he wants to work on today, um, you can hop into one of these training pr programs like the new one from Stop at Goaltending and, uh, and use Sensorina to really hone your game. And, and as I've said a million times before, and I'll say it again, Sensorina is like a cheat code for goaltending. And uh, I have a feeling that a guy as detailed as Beck Warm, our feature interview this week, uh, would want to uh, check out Sensorina because I know he reached out to us and, and wanted to know our feelings on it so that he can get into it a little bit himself. So uh, from Sensorina, our great sponsor for uh, the podcast and the feature interview, to, uh, to Beck Warm, a guy he'll be using it soon, I'm sure. Beck Warm uh, on the journey as Sensorina, and uh, he has great senses like the intuition of this kid is unbelievable 
uh, you'll get a sense uh, of it uh, as you listen to the conversation and, and his observations in working with professionals at the Net360 camp is also very striking. We'll comment on that after you listen to Beck in the National Hockey League, hanging out with Kevin Woodley on Ingold Radio, the podcast brought to you by Sensorina VR. Beck, so good to have you on here. Like, probably should have done this a while ago, but waiting sometimes is not a bad thing either because now we've got you on the road in the show, National Hockey League. It has been a big run for you to this point, like to go from the WHL and finishing your career there and everything that goes on with COVID to signing a contract in the American Hockey League to signing a contract in the NHL to on the ice in the NHL for practice on the taxi squad. Like, what can you walk us through the past couple of months for you from the uncertainty to the contract in the A and to this whirlwind up to this point? What's, what's it all been like? Um, yeah, no, it's been, it's definitely been, uh, been a lot of things going on and a lot happening just with, uh, kind of the whole COVID situation. But, um, yeah, no, like everyone says, it's, uh, it's a marathon, not a sprint and everyone's, everybody's path is different to, to get to where they want to be. So, um, I think I definitely have a, a different path than most. Um, but yeah, no, so it was in the summer and just training, trying to figure out, uh, where I'm going to play this year. Um, and then got, uh, in the fall, got that offer from Chicago to sign an AHL deal and then took that. Um, and then, yeah, had to wait around for my visa for a while. So I missed, missed all of camp and got to Chicago and, uh, start of February and then just kind of, just kind of picked it up from there. And yeah, one thing led to another and started playing some games and then, uh, yeah, signed with Carolina and now, uh, called up here. Okay. So like one thing led to another, uh, somewhat modest there. Uh, I think one thing led to a five and one record with a nine forty four save percentage and a shutout in your first taste of pro hockey in the American league. Um, but before we get to some of the specifics and the adjustments you had to make, because that's a pretty big step. I've had guys tell me that um, the biggest step is quite often not to the National Hockey League, but actually out of junior to the AHL or out of college to the American League. And you made it so seamlessly. So I got a bunch of questions on that. But first, I want to go back to the picture that uh, your agent, Ray Petgow, tweeted out after you got called up to the Carolina Hurricanes taxi squad. You and Rhymes on the ice in the NHL with Carolina. And then you and Rhymes on the ice in 2015 at the Net360 mentorship. Well, you're at the camp that week, but you're there. That's the mentor day where all the NHL guys kind of work with the junior guys. So you're, you know, quick math, you're, you're 16 or 15, probably just had your birthday at that point. So yeah. 16. Yeah. What, like, what do you, do you remember that? Like, was that your first Net360 camp? Uh, yeah, I think that was my first Net360 camp. Um, yeah, I just remember it being such a cool experience, like finding out that the, the NHL guys were going to be out with us and we got to kind of like do drills with them and, and chat to them. So, um, yeah, no, just the whole program they have there is, is just, it's all about mentorship and just kind of being able to talk to guys and realize that kind of, you can, you can be in that position one day. So, um, yeah, no props to, to Ray and everything going on at 360 because that's, uh, yeah, it's an unbelievable program. Flash forward to you get called up to Carolina for the for the taxi squad. Um, you get into onto the ice on the practice. Like, what, what was that like the first time? Like, and it's James Reimer. How much how much more comfortable does it make you that it's a guy you've been on the ice with in the summers ever probably ever since that mentorship camp? Yeah, no, it's uh, it's awesome. Like, I've 
yeah, seen rhymes kind of every summer since then. And especially kind of last summer and in the fall there, we, we spent a lot of time in the gym together and on the ice. So, um, yeah, no, it's, it's great to have a familiar face and just to be able to see him and, and chat to him and stuff. Uh, yeah, he's made my, made my time up here for the first kind of week or so, uh, just that much more comfortable. Now, obviously it's not a full circle thing because the path, there's still a lot of runway ahead of you in terms of the path, but did it, did, did it kind of have that feel, that moment where, you know, that the fact he was there for that first skate in the, in the national hockey league? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, uh, it, it was such a cool moment. Um, I think, yeah, I think when, uh, that kind of the pictures of me and him, when I was 15 to the picture of us last or a couple days ago, when that kind of came out, it kind of hit me. That was like, well, like that was, that was six years ago or whatever it was. And, and now we're together here. So it's, uh, yeah, no, it was such a, such a cool thing to see. Okay. Now though, for those who don't know, as you said, on, off the ice, you've had a chance to work out with him. You train in Kelowna. We go back a fair bit. I remember seeing, I think actually the, the first time I, I met you was on the ice in Burnaby, um, out at eight rinks, uh, where I know you've worked with Sean Murray, but I yeah. think that day it was with Lyle Mast. You spent times in the summer working with Adam Francilia, obviously a Ray Petcow client. So for those just tuning in, there's the, there's the background where we kind of have worked with you at these next 360 camps and, and, and different things like how much easier does it make it? How much more comfortable were you even going to the American League wh where Reimer wasn't a part of it? But just in that pro environment, because of all the exposure you've had to these guys, whether it's on the ice in that 360 or like you said, working out with Adam Francilia and all these other guys in the summers. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely super comfortable. Um, I think just kind of for the past four years and four summers here, um, I kind of always say you're the, you're the sum of your four best friends. So whoever you surround yourself with, that's who you're going to become. So I think when you surround yourself with NHL players, like your, the odds are you're going to kind of try and be there one day and you're going to do everything you can to be there. So I think that's just kind of something that I've, I've kind of held myself to for the last little while is just surrounding yourself with the right people and. Um, yeah, so it's, uh, yeah, coming up to pro and just kind of being in the pro environment was a pretty easy transition just, just with the guys and stuff, just cause that's who I've, who I've been around for the last kind of four summers. So for sure. Okay. So what was the, what is the biggest jump? Cause like I said, a lot of guys over the years have, have told me that's the hardest one. What, what do you think allowed you besides that comfort level to make the transition to the AHL, you know? apparently re relatively smoothly at least for those first six games and i know it's you know it's just the start but you know what is the hardest thing what did you surprise you that was hard or easy or how you know in terms of making that that move because it's a biggie yeah i think um i think just like what everyone says guys are bigger uh shoot a little bit harder um but i, I think for me like my my game in junior was pretty um like I, I had to kind of play the right way in junior. Um, there was no kind of, I, I couldn't really get by just on my size and I couldn't just, just kind of move around and let pucks hit me. Like I, to, to play well in junior, I had to have my feet set. I had to be hitting my spots all the time. Whereas I think some guys maybe get to the pro level and then they realize that they have to be hitting their spots and getting their feet, feet set. So for me, it's just something that I've had to do for the last kind of three or four years here in junior to, to make saves. So I think coming up to pro already having that kind of base of, um, just the skating and the tracking and all that stuff has made it, uh, definitely, definitely smooth. So. Okay. So 
you touched on foundations there. For those that don't know you and have yet to discover your game at the pro level, can you explain some of those pieces and, and, and what allows you to succeed and how many times have you been asked probably already or throughout your career about size and having to, how, how do you have success and, and make transitions like this, you know, as a six foot goaltender at a time when that's probably why you weren't drafted, right? Like things like that can hold you back perception of size and how you overcome it. Yeah. I think like I always hear kind of some conversation about it and I always hear like some talk about my size, but I've never really, never really thought too much about it. Cause I think if you let that get in your head that you're an undersized goalie and that like the odds of you making it aren't high and you have to be whatever size to, to play. I think that's all um, kind of changing a little bit. Cause I think if, if you can stop the puck, you can stop the puck. So for me, it's just been all about kind of my skating and making sure that you just, you're, you're square, you're set for every shot. You're never kind of reaching or having to, I mean, occasionally you have to kind of make a big diving save or stretch out. But for the most part, if you're, if you manage during a game to just stay in front of the puck and just kind of skate on every puck and just set your feet, then the odds are you're going to be in a good position to make that save. So I think that's been the biggest thing for me is just just your skating and just your tracking and just setting your feet. So that's been definitely the biggest thing. Okay. Skating on every puck. Explain that for those who might not maybe be familiar with a phrase like that. Like, what do you mean that? How does that, how does you, how do you think of your skating tying to your tracking and the elements that set you apart in terms of, because we've heard this throughout the pause, whether it was Billy Ranford or other goalie coaches around the league, other goalies we've talked to, as everybody's sort of taken a step back and gone back to school a little bit, use that time, that phrase keeps coming back, set and square. And being there and in position early, I think more and more recognition, as simple as it sounds, that that is the foundation of, of success at all levels. How do you go about doing that not, not, I don't want to say better than the next guy, but at the best you can. And how have you gotten ahead on those those steps? Um, I think it's for for me, it's about kind of less is more in a way. Um, kind of the if you can eliminate the delay in your movements and just kind of always be in a position that you can access your feet and can access your edges. Um, it, it just makes a world of difference because you can when there's kind of broken plays or um just like little things like that you you always have access and you can always move um but yeah i think it's just just being able to kind of like track passes all the way not just kind of see a pass being made and then try and guess where your spot should be it's about knowing where your ice is and where you can take your ice and um kind of how much net is behind you um yeah and i think it's just a lot of it kind of something i've talked with paul here a lot about is just kind of find the middle and just kind of skating through the middle a lot. Um, just so you can, yeah, I, th- I think it's just the biggest thing is just staying in front of the puck and not getting outside your kind of crease area and the more efficient you can make it, the better. So Paul, of course, being Paul Sean Felder, goaltending coach of the Carolina hurricanes, who we're happy to say, like we humble brag that we had him on the, uh, on a webinar and the, the old in goal in person webinars last summer. So thanks to him for that. When you say access to your edges, I, th- I think a lot of people, they might, they might go, okay, what does he mean by that? Is that just sort of keeping them underneath you back? Like making sure that they're not extended to the point where you can't stop or turn, like you said, to react to a broken play or a puck off a leg, like sort of that contained everything underneath you. Is that, 
I'm kind of putting words in your mouth and I don't want to, but is that kind of, am I right when you say access to edges? That's what I, what you're thinking? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think it's just kind of keeping your feet underneath you and just kind of in a, like a better way to explain it is just always being able to, to, to move on a puck. So if a guy gets the puck on the dot and he gets a pass there, you're not just, you don't just get stuck. If he makes other pass, then, then you're too wide in your stance or you're kind of, your feet aren't set. Say you're kind of drifting forward on the pass. Then if he passes a back door, you can't move because you're already, st- you're still moving. So I think if you can just find your spots set and then if it, it's a pass, then you can move again and set. So it's always just trying to set your feet whenever you can. Okay. So we've wandered all over here because I'm such a lousy interviewer. I've taken you to all these different spots and all these different philosophies. Can we rewind a little bit? We'll just zip it back. And, you know, even before the net 360 camp and that picture of you with James Reimer in 2015, where'd the passion for the position start? Like, how did Beck Warm become a goaltender? What made you fall in love with it? Um, I think uh, I, I'm the youngest brother in my family. So I think started just with road hockey being being kind of forced to go into the net. But I think uh, it wasn't so much forced. I, I always loved the gear and loved like seeing seeing goalie gear and stuff like that. So I think a big part of it was just kind of wanting to be a goalie for for the equipment. And I, I don't know, I think that's that's somewhat common for for guys starting, just kind of like they, those they are like, two most common answers for sure. Yeah. The youngest brother and love for the gear. So you hit the like you hit the combo there. Yeah. So definitely, definitely both there. Okay. So and and when did it become something that went from out with the brothers to onto the ice and Hey man, this is something I'm pretty good at. When did it become serious? When did you get your first goalie coach? And this answer varies, believe me, depending on the generation of goaltender I'm talking to. I'm guessing you're going to be a lot sooner than, say, James Reimer, for example, who I think got his first goalie coach in junior. Yeah, um, I think um, probably in Adams. So I don't know how old you are there, like 10 maybe. I was, um, okay. I made the, in, I grew up in Whistler, BC, so not not a massive hockey town, but we had we had two teams. We had a house and rep team, um, and uh, I made the the Adam rep team my first year. So thought it was a thought it was a pretty big deal to to make that team. So I was pretty pumped about it, and kind of started to get a feeling that like oh like maybe I could could do something here, and like I wanna I wanna make a go at it. So um, yeah, I think probably got my first kind of training with Sean Murray when I was probably around that age, probably 10 or 11. Um, and yeah, just kind of, I've, I still work with Sean to this day, uh, in the summers, trying down the ice with him quite a bit. So, um, yeah, no, he's definitely been there since the start. And so, okay. So working with Sean, uh, at a, at a young age, as, as you get older and, and you start to have some success and start to make other teams, that gap, uh, the, the Bantam draft is a big one for a lot of guys. You don't yeah. get picked. Just w- walk me through the mindset. You don't get picked. Like here we are six years later and you're, we're having a conversation. You're on the road with an NHL team, um, you know, living that NHL COVID ho- hotel life, unfortunately, but you're, you know, you're in the national hockey league right now. And six years ago, you're, you weren't, or I guess it would be seven years ago for your Bantam draft. Like you weren't drafted. The mindset at the time and how you moved forward, like, was it upsetting or was that something where you weren't looking at the Bantam draft at that st- stage and, and the WHL as a, I need to make this, or this is the logical next step. Where was the mindset? Then? Um, yeah, no, I definitely, definitely wanted to get drafted. Um, all, all your buddies, 
like kind of your first year bantam you see all your buddies get drafted and going into your draft year you're like oh like that would be cool like i'd love to get drafted and kind of you, you definitely think about it and um i ended up not getting drafted and um but it didn't really change my mindset i remember uh, someone came out to me and said uh you know this isn't the end like don't give up and for me i was like whoa, whoa, whoa like what do you mean give up like that was never even like that was the first time the thought came to me when someone said it to me like oh like you can't give up now and i was like oh well that was never the plan so like thank you <laughs> um but yeah i always always knew i kind of wanted to play in the western hockey league and then was fortunate enough to get a camp invite my um kind of that summer after i didn't get drafted and uh got listed by tri-city and then um yeah kind of signed later that year and played my first game when i was 15 which um learned a lot from that one did that game did not go great but um definitely i learned. saw i i saw the uh the uh the 795 the, the numbers almost match 795 save percentage and an 8.0 goals against average those are not the ones you want to start with right? like that's a tough first experience yeah it was tough um i just remember kind of looking at it like there's it, it showed me exactly what i need to work on though like it, it showed me exactly the things i need to get better at it showed me exactly where i need to be to to play in that league so um, at the time it was, it was pretty disappointing and it was not the way you want to start your, your career, but, um, you know, everything, everything happens for a reason. And I learned, learned so much from that and it definitely, definitely helped me going forward. Okay. So I, I'm curious about the timeline there. Cause that's your first taste. Like you said, you're 15 years old in the Western hockey league. Yeah. Stuff's, ha- stuff's going to happen. Right. And yet we're at that point. That would have been the summer that that first picture we would have seen at yeah. Net360. And that camp and with James Reimer and any, like, was there any, anything that you remember way back then to that, what that camp did for you, what that experience did for you? Cause you guys were, you know, I, I was there that year too. And so you've got all these NHLers around and the junior guys go on at different times, but you're around them all the time. Yeah. What, you know, what, what did that do for you coming off your first taste of the WHL and the numbers I just mentioned? What was that summer like for you and what role did something like Net360 play in it? Um, yeah, no, Net360 just helped kind of bring that, bring that belief and kind of grow, make that belief stronger in a way. Um, just kind of being surrounded by those guys and, and seeing them on the ice and seeing all the things they do well. And um, I think just it, it also shows like when they're at the rink, like even if it's in the summer, they're there to work and they're there to get better at their game and kind of master their craft. And then once you're in the room after and say you go out to dinner and stuff like you you have fun and you you chat and it's laughs and stuff but when when you're in on the ice and you're in the rink and you're kind of doing your doing your stuff like it's everyone's there to get better and i think that was a that was a good lesson to learn just that when when you show up to the rink and you get on the ice like you you need to have something to work on you need to have a have a plan in a way and i think uh all the net 360 camps that i've been to have I've kind of shown that 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 everyone's there wanting to get better and everyone's there trying to do the same thing. So it's definitely uh, definitely helped a lot. Are you looking forward to being back on the pro side? I am. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't know. I would. There was no camp. At least you guys did get together last summer, but we didn't come. Obviously, with COVID and everything. So you may have been. It was a, it was a different year. So you may have been on the other side of that already. I remember a couple of years ago having NHL goalie coaches watch you in the junior side and say. This kid needs to be on the pro side, so there's that. But I mean, when you look back at it, though, knowing the impact that that had for you, does it change your mindset with other young goalies? 
Um, yeah, I think, um, yeah. So going back to like the camp last summer, it was, it was a smaller group. Um, so it was, it was all, all kind of pro guys there. So that was kind of my first, um, first night through 360 being with, uh, just the pro group. But, um, yeah, I think for, for the younger kids and stuff, kind of skating in the summer and being around pros, I think it's, you just got to ask questions and you got to talk to them. Like, like all, all the guys at the pro level, like they'd be happy to answer your questions and kind of talk to you about things and like help out. Like everyone, everyone loves to to talk and discuss things about kind of hockey and the game and everything. So I think my biggest thing is just don't be afraid to ask questions and like put yourself out there and kind of, yeah. And just, just talk, which is something that uh, I think I, I've, I struggle with sometimes kind of like putting yourself out there and going to ask a question, but uh, I think, yeah, everyone, everyone loves it and everyone loves to talk. So you're talking to a guy who gets ripped all the time on this program for talking too much. So <laughs> there you go. Do you remember, are there any that jump out at you? Cause you would have had opportunities to have conversations with different guys over the years. Was there one that was not necessarily more impactful, but was there a moment over all those years? Cause you've been at that camp every year since 2015 that jumps out at you where there was a light, whether it was a light bulb moment or just sort of something new that you learned, not so much technically, but in terms of, you know, the approach, the mindset, the lifestyle, what you need to do to be where you are today. Um, yeah, I think there's probably, probably a ton of moments like that, but, um, I remember, I think it was probably my, my first year when, uh, Eddie Lack was there and I remember we were doing a drill together and I was 15 or 16 and he was just kind of sitting there talking to me like in between reps and wasn't, wasn't talking down to me at all. Like he was, he was talking to me like an equal. And I just thought that was the coolest thing ever. Cause we were just kind of just talking hockey, just kind of two guys talking hockey. And he was a NHL goalie and I was going into my, my first year midget or second year midget. So it was, uh, I think that was a big moment for me where it was like, okay. Yeah. Like if I ever make it to that level, like I want to, I want to be like that. And I want to treat, treat the younger guys like they're an equal and, and yeah, that was definitely impactful. Nice. Um, Tri-City, career at Tri-City. And then obviously the last year, uh, 1920, which like I got to think the time existence is strange vacuum now. That was technically last season. Uh, splitting time with the Oil Kings after a sort of trade deadline acquisition. And then the season gets shut down. Like what's your lasting memory of junior hockey? And, and where do you think your game evolved? Because that's four years. Where do you think your game evolved the most from that first appearance as a 15 year old to two years later being there full time? I think, um, probably, probably the start of my 19 year old year, um, was where there was a big mindset shift of just kind of just trusting yourself and just trusting your game. And I think a big help with that was, uh, like our head coach, uh, Kelly Buckberger, he, he just showed that he trusted me and he showed that he wanted me in the net. And I think that was massive for me, just kind of building that confidence and that self-belief through games and. I think I started like 62 games that year out of 68 or something like that. So, um, that was just, that was a big year for me, just kind of building that self-belief even more and just kind of realizing like to, to play, you have to be able to clear your mind and just, just trust your game and trust your foundation. And, um, I I've always said like, you're, you're your best goalie coach. Like at the end of the day, when, when it's game time and the puck drops, like you're, you're the only one out there. And, and you got to be a goalie coach for yourself. And however you do that, um, it's, it's the best, best way for you. So how now that's, I hear that a lot. 
And you've had, we've talked about some of the influences. You mentioned Sean Murray. Obviously, you're in the camp with lots of different voices at Net360, different goalie coaches you get to work with. I know you've done some work with Lyle Mast. How do you get to that point where you are your own goalie coach? Like, you know, where you, you don't feel like you have to go to others for advice, where you know your game enough to trust your foundation and your ability to reset to it. Like, we always probably all need other voices at times. How do you find that balance between not becoming, over-reliant on them? Um, I think it's definitely a learning process. Um, I, I've worked with yeah a ton of different goalie coaches throughout the years, um, like Sean and Lyle and Eli and um, Tri-City. Um, there's just been a ton of different guys that I've had the opportunity to work with. So I think, honestly, I think, I think some people get stuck where they think that only one goalie coach is all they need. They just need one goalie coach and that that's all. So I think having a ton of different voices and being very open about it is, is important because the more opinions you can get, the more you can build your own game and you can build um, kind of your own game plan out there. So I think it's definitely a learning process to, to kind of figure out what works for you. And um, yeah, cause like I said, at the end of the day, you're the one that's out there and you need to figure out like the right safe selections for you and what works for you. So I think the biggest thing for me is just just trusting yourself and kind of believing in yourself. And I know that's super cliche, but um, that's uh, at the end of the day, I think that's that's the bottom line is just just trusting your game. Now you're you're a guy who thinks the game really well, has an understanding. I think of the foundation we talked about earlier really well in terms of your movement and the mechanics and the biomechanics. And I know you've done that work with Adam Francilia as well. As a thinker where's that line between all those things you just talked about in terms of understanding your game and trusting your game or recognizing save selection when it's off? Like, are those like, are you thinking about save selection? Say a puck goes in. Are you thinking about that at the time? Like, where's that balance between a guy who really thinks the game deeply and needs to sometimes just go out and play it? Can you get caught up too much? You know, it's paralysis by analysis. Is that something that you've had to work on avoiding? And if so, like, like, how do you do it? Like, because that's not an easy balance to find as well. It just seems like, you know, again, we're talking to you in your first pro season here, but it seems like you've found a lot of those balance points yourself over the years. Yeah, I think that's something that I used to struggle with a lot because, like you said, I, I like to think the game a lot. So in my kind of 17, 18-year-old years in Tri-City, um, I think that's something that I struggled with was just overanalyzing and, and thinking too much. Um, so, like I said, my 19-year was I kind of turned the page and... Um, just kind of went out there and played and it's, it's just about kind of having one or two things that you say to yourself during the game and, um, and just keeping it super simple. Like in the game, I never, never think about kind of the technical side or anything like that. It's just, for me, it's just trusting yourself. And I, I know I've said that a lot, but I think it's just, yeah, like just not overthinking anything during a game, like asking yourself a few kind of positive questions. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't tend to overanalyze anything anymore during games just cause there's, there's real no need for it. Like you practice so much and in practices you can, you can think about the technical side and think about just like different things you can do in certain situations. But uh, for games, it's just going out there and playing. Okay. So one or two things that you like to now do those change on a week to week game to game basis, or are those part of your staple and foundation? And, you know, totally up to you because some guys don't like to but like can you share those because not everyone's the same in terms of wanting to share what their little i remember michael di pietro would write it in his blocker 
Um, and it changed over the years. He had little acronyms that he used and one year it would be one thing and the next year it would be the other. Like, have yours changed or are they the same? And can you share any that you've used over the years? Yeah, mine have, um, mine have kind of stayed the same over the last couple of years. Um, honestly, usually I just say like, if I'm ever kind of in a break or the whistle goes, um, and ever find myself, my brain wandering or thoughts start to creep in of anything. I just kind of keep it simple and just tell myself, uh, just the puck. And then I just kind of like, I, I, I'm a big breathing guy. So I focus on my breathing a lot. And if I ever catch myself kind of wandering with my thoughts or overthinking something, it just comes back to adjust the puck. And then, um, yeah, I think that that usually just kind of settles everything down. And, um, I definitely use some different techniques and games just to keep everything kind of calm and loose. But, uh, breathing is probably the most important thing for me. I was going to say breathing is important for most of us. Usually for me, it's, it's like heavy, heavy breathing. Cause I'm out of breath. Um, but, but can you share any of those techniques? And this just, I almost forgot, like, obviously we saw you, um, at, uh, the Pete Fry and John Stevenson event. This is a couple of years ago, um, when they ran sort of did these, I guess they're almost like mini symposiums where they went across and did their mindset clinics. And, and you, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm hearing these catchphrases and these terms that you're using. I've got, of course you work with Pete Fry. How important has he been to this whole process for you? As we talk about being able to, I don't know if compartmentalize is a word he would use, but being able to sort of separate when you worry about certain things and making sure the ones you don't want to worry about aren't a part of your on ice process. Yeah, no, Pete's been great. Um, I've been working with Pete for uh, a couple of years now and, uh, everything's just, uh, always super simple. It's always just kind of control what you can control. Um, it's just kind of always about, um, just doing the little things and, um, yeah, just like things that are already control. Just, there's no need to even think about it because there's, I think in, in hockey, there's, there's so little that you control. And so the things that you can't control, like you better be controlling those. Cause like, that's, that's all you can control. So, um, give me an example, things that you can versus things that you want to make sure you're controlling going into a game. Um, things you can control or your preparation, um, just how kind of the night before, if you're doing a little bit of visualization and, um, maybe if you have the access, like taking an ice bath and stretching and just kind of little things like that. Cause obviously preparation leads to confidence. So, if you're, you go into a game knowing that you've done everything you can to prepare yourself, then you'll naturally have that confidence. Whereas if you go into a game thinking, oh, maybe I should have stretched this morning or maybe I should have done this last night, then that that kind of creeps away your confidence and it starts to starts to fade a little bit and say, you know, come up with a save early in the game. Then you start thinking, okay, well, that's because I didn't do this. And then then it's just a snowball effect. So um, that those or, are just little- Or using language like, didn't come up with the save versus let in a goal as I heard that one right there, as you said it. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's all about, um, with him, it's all about kind of creating pictures in your mind. And if you say, Oh, I got scored on you know, your brain visualizes yourself getting scored on. Whereas if you say it and come up with a save, uh, you kind of visualize yourself making a save. So it's just kind of like little techniques like that, that you kind of get in the habit of using that I think help a lot. Nice. Love it. Um, you mentioned having some breathing things. I won't make you do breathing exercises with us here on the Ingo Radio podcast, but you mentioned there are a couple other things. I know Pete's big on, you know, physical. I remember we did this, like some guys would be tap the pads or, you know, some guys like take the blocker and glove and tap them together. Little cues, little 
things that snap you into game time mode. Do you mm-hmm. still use that? Do you have one? Can you share it? I'm putting on you. I'm putting on you on the spot <laughs> to share a lot of little things here. Yeah, I think um, I think a big thing for him is just um, kind of using your body and your motions to to kind of create uh, a certain like hype level in your game, um, just to kind of get things going. Um, for me, it's just um, whenever I do movements in the crease, kind of in between whistles, I just make sure it's all game speed and make sure everything's like super quick and super sharp. Um, I, I know I used to, when I was younger, um, when the whistle would go, you kind of just slowly skate to the corner, back to your crease, maybe stretch. And it kind of puts you into this kind of lulled phase and a little bit where you're just kind of, you're, um, I don't know how to explain it. Like you just, you uh, your nervous system's not activated. Your, your brain's kind of turned off. Whereas if you do everything super sharp and quick, like you're in the play, then your nervous system's going and your brain's ready. And then the next shot that comes down, you're ready for it. Whereas if you've just been sitting there not doing much stretching, you might be a little bit late on it or it might kind of catch you off guard. I've never, I've never actually heard that. I love that because you're right. That it's a little casual that skate and some guys use it effectively as a reset. Yeah. But if you're slowing things down and then the game is really quick, that might not match what you, where you need to be in that next moment versus trying to within the frame of, of a period and while you're playing, making sure you're staying at that quick pace. I love that. Yeah, no, I definitely do like do my casual skates to the corner. But um, as soon as I get back to the crease, it's it's a couple quick movements, a couple slides. And then, um, yeah, just try and for my breathing, I try and just kind of get some deep breaths and kind of try and get get myself going a little bit like that. Um, I think for me, like I'm a pretty I like to think I'm a pretty calm guy when I'm in net. So I, I kind of try to mellow my breathing, whereas I know some goalies like to be super um, energetic and like lots of movement and stuff. So they like to bring their breathing up. But for me, I like to bring it down, just helps me, helps me kind of think the game subconsciously more. So. Okay. So breathe, your breathing's kind of a slow it down and the quick movements are kind of a raise the hype level. And you use the phrase hype level, that something you're very conscious and conscientious of in a game in terms of where your mind and where your body are. Yeah. Yeah. So like for me, I like kind of a lower hype level um, just because I find it keeps my keeps my head clear. But I definitely still like kind of my nervous system and my body. I like that being nice and sharp and ready to go. But as for my brain, I like being very calm. And I don't think you'll ever, ever see me in a game kind of losing my mind or like uh, freaking out at all just because everything's um, not in my control sometimes. So it's just I, I like to control what I control and everything else I just kind of throw away. So if you're throwing milk cartons from down the tunnel and chopping sticks in half over the back of the bar, you're getting a call call from Pete because he knows that's not you. (laughs) Yeah, if if you ever see me doing that, I think you should take a clip of that and send it to me and say say something about it. But yeah, I don't don't think you'll see it. All right, Beck. Well, hey, this has been lots more time than as usual. I mean, this is my other MO as I go a little longer than I was supposed to. But hey, you're stuck in a hotel. So so I had you prisoner here. and it's kind of cool that it's in the show, man. So congratulations on everything over the past couple of months. Pretty neat that you get to do it. You know, get this first taste with James there. Um, and thanks for spending the time with us. The, the stuff you just shared in terms of the mindset and, you know, some of the technical stuff you talked about earlier. There are going to be a lot of goalies that listen to this that are going to, you know, have a good think on it and, and sort of look at that advice much the way you probably did hearing from your mentors six years ago on the ice in terms of, the steps they need to take. So I really appreciate you taking the time to join us. 
Yeah, no, thanks, Kevin. Really appreciate it. Thank you for having me on. And uh, yeah, all the best. Okay, takeaways from that. And I didn't know a lot about Beck Warm before, other than seeing his name in the Western Hockey League. So that was an enlightening and his journey and growing up in Whistler. He's got a twin brother, uh, Will, uh, as well. I wonder if that uh, went into like uh, twin brother. One guy goes net, one guy's a shooter. Like, boom, boom, uh, away you go. You're, you're shooting the puck and uh, one guy's always uh, stopping it. Uh, his advice, one, when you get on the ice at the net 360, like it's, it's business. It's focused. You can joke around before, you can joke around after, everything but business on the ice and asking questions. Don't be afraid to ask questions. And he admitted that he's a bit shy himself, but force yourself because don't be afraid of the answer coming back or how uh, the person's going to react when you approach them. Be be uh, forward thinking because everybody wants to give back a little bit, Woody. Yeah, and that's kind of what the environment's like. I mean, and, and you know, there's guys, he mentioned Eddie Lack, you know, that 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 conversation they had and how that was, that struck him. We know about the time, his first time there with James Reimer and obviously his comfort levels grown over the years as, as he's become, as Reimer said, family. But when you've got guys like that, Reimer lack, uh, when he was playing Devin Dubnik, um, Devin Dubnik is, we heard when he did this, but like, he's a, he's a guy who really thinks the position along the same levels, right? That type of detail. And now speaking of Doobie actually, and that type of detail and a willingness and openness to, to sort of share how he approaches the game. We at ingolmag.com and ingol premium have our biggest pro reads ever. We did. And I did this video with him a few weeks ago and you saw, everybody saw the poke checks, the, the two part poke checks. Cause that's yep. how detailed Doobie is. He can't do it in one part. We had a power play sequence against the Ducks about about three weeks ago for the Sharks. Early in the game, where Dubnik makes, honestly, like five or six five-alarm stops. And and the delayed penalty. There were several minutes on the delayed penalty there, too. We could have taken this and broken it into six pro reads because there were so many different elements. We're talking about managing screens. We're talking about depth decisions. We're talking about post-play uh, using your stick to cut off passing lanes. Uh, he talks about cross ice lateral plays on the power play, when to use your feet, when you might have to slide. Um, like there were so many details in this video session with Dubnik. We probably could have stretched it out over six months mixed in with all the other stuff. But we decided that our readers need to hear it all right now. It was too good to make them wait. 15 minute pro reads. 15 minutes of Devin Dubnik on one delayed penalty and one penalty kill combined. And it is absolute gold. And I got to be honest with you, like I'm biased, obviously, but that one pro reads is worth the price of a subscription for an entire year. And it's one of just 67 video reviews with NHL goaltenders you get access to when you get in goal premium at ingoldmag.com being able to sit down and just go to school on goaltending with the greatest teachers in the world who are doing it, not, not just teaching it, but they're doing it at the same time. How do you go wrong with that? I get so excited because I've, I've been lucky enough to do a few of these with these guys, but it's mostly Woody. And then he'll pass me the video after one of these sessions to do some work with. And, and I get to go through all of them and it's just, it's really exciting. Um, 
I'm going to school and I'm calling Maddie over saying, you got to check this out. What a great opportunity to learn. And it almost feels like every guy is the best ever because there's a new take from everybody. Uh, it's not just the same thing every week. There's just so much to learn. And as Woody said, 67 of them. Uh, if somebody becomes an Ingold Premium member, you get to access all 67 of those. And there's going to be one a week for another year during your membership. So 100 and some odd. Guys, we've been around for a little more than a year now. And we've got up on the site 460 videos, uh, whether it be pro reads or pro drills. And yeah, sometimes there's, you know, there's a couple per pro, pro read as we show you the the uh, the play and then we talk about it with the pro but there's just so much there it's just been a really exciting year and i'm thankful to be a part of it boys it's uh it's outstanding we see the present now and we see the future coming in uh both uh, in goal radio the podcast in goal magazine and at the carolina hurricanes with uh, beck warm and james reimer uh, appreciate uh, everybody uh tuning into this one hope you enjoyed it and uh, make sure you check out that Devin dubnik uh, uh pro rates uh, it is uh awesome to just sit back and take it in uh for beck and for david and for woody woody are you are you trying to upload upload your file before no see I no had, the podcast? there was no if i had tried if i had cheated here darren if i was cheating the pass you'd be in trouble right now if i was cheating the pass i would not be able to talk to you right now because my mic would be off so as much as the head may have Cheated for an early look to see where that puck was headed and what what hand the shooter was at the other end of that pass. I did not cheat the pass. I'm waiting. To explain this, uh, when I start wrapping up, Woody usually stops recording his end of the podcast and tries to upload it because we have a little game. Uh, who gets to upload first? And I'm usually last because I have to sign off. So I was just I was trying to catch up. I, I was going to dump it in the corner and then I I shot it on net and uh, and he was right <laughs> on it. So. Uh, Woody, uh, proving that uh, he is uh, brilliant in the field and brilliant on the ice and is also brilliant in uh, in being able to read uh, a release. Uh, Darren Millar, time to release you. Uh, thanks for listening to In Goal Radio, the podcast. Mm-hmm.